James chapter 4. Let's go to James 4 again, church. James chapter 4. I'm glad, though, you can repent for bad words. I mean, bad confessions, talking doubt, talking unbelief. I mean, how many glad you can say, Lord, forgive me. I, I repent for saying that. He'll clean you. He'll forgive you. It'll be forgotten. You can go on like you never messed up. But now James 4, we're going to read in verse 17 here again. Verse 17, the Bible says, therefore to him, you know, that therefore, we probably ought to find out what it's there for. You want to find out what that therefore is there for? When you ever see therefore, it means it's tying something together with what he's about to say with what he just said. So let's back up. Let's do this. Let's back up to verse 13. Let's read this in context tonight. The Bible says, God says, Go to now you that say, Today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such a city. We're going to continue there a year. We're going to buy and sell. And we're going to get gain. What are they talking about? They're talking about moving somewhere to make more money. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about moving to a different place for the number one sole purpose of making more money. Is that a good thing? Well, it depends. Look here. He said, go to now. He says, in other words, he's kind of correcting them because people were saying this. Hey, let's just, let's just go over here. Look at the opportunities over here. Let's just go over here. Look at that. We can make more money over there. Not even thinking to pray about it. Do you realize a lot of people are in trouble, have gotten in trouble, and some people aren't even with us anymore because they were money-led. We just talked Sunday about... a whole host of things that money can't fix or buy for you. Yeah. Nothing wrong with money, but there's some things money can't do and money can't fix. And if you're led by money, you're not led by the Holy Spirit. And we have to watch out about being pulled by all these things trying to get us out of the will of God because when you're out of the will of God, you're on dangerous ground. Yeah. When you're in the will of God, you have God's word of protection all around you. So he said here, Verse 13 again, go to now you that say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such a city. We'll continue there a year. We'll buy and sell and we'll get gain. We'll make more money. And James says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor compared to eternity. Our life is like a steam off a tea kettle here for a little time, gone. It appears for a little time and it vanishes away. Your life on earth is like a vapor. For that you ought to say, this is what you ought to say. What, what should you say when it comes to moving, opportunities, more money, better geographical location? What should you say? If the Lord will. We'll make our living doing this or make our living doing that. Right? If the Lord wills. Everybody say, if the Lord will. Now, why would you say, if the Lord will? Because He knows what's on tomorrow. He knows what's around the corner. He knows the future better than we know the past or the present. And it's actually very naive to not seek the Lord who knows a million times more than us about major decisions or any decisions in life, but especially major decisions. 
I know when it comes to the area of marriage, we've seen a lot of people that they want to get married because they're infatuated. They, they, they feel such a feeling towards so-and-so. Or so, they, they feel, but we tell them, listen, you better go beyond feelings because we got guarantee for you, feelings won't always be there. And when the feelings are not there, you're going to think you don't love them. And the devil's going to lie to you and say, yeah, you don't love him anymore. You don't love him. See, would you all just please, let's all get used to telling the devil to shut up. Can we do that? When he starts messing with your marriage, starts messing with your mind or your health or your finances, say, devil, get away from me and shut up. Jesus did. We'd be following a really good example. Well, in this area of the will of God, we're going to talk about that some more tonight, about being filled with the Spirit. So just finish off here. We'll read verse 17. He says, For this you ought to say, If the Lord will, we'll live, or we'll make our living here and there, and do this or do that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. In other words, thinking you know better than the Lord. I'm just going to do what I want to do. If there's more money, I'm going. He said, That's not good. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. We all know there's sins of commission where people do things they should not do. They know better. But then there's sins of omission where you're not doing something good that you know you should do. Sins of omission, not doing the good you know to do. Sins of commission, doing the evil you know you shouldn't do. And we've been making this point real strong. Sins of commission are usually the result of people being weak and not prepared for the evil day. Therefore, if people would overcome the sins of omission, they wouldn't have so many problems with sins of commission. Because one of the things a lot of people are omitting is the admonition in the New Testament to live a spirit filled life. If we won't omit that good thing, I'm telling you, people won't be committing so many bad things. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you're on a higher level. Your wants are even different. You don't even want certain sins anymore when you're filled with the Spirit. You have power that you didn't have before. So I'm going to say it again. Sins of omission, you know, like not being filled with the Spirit, not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, not walking in love, not believing like you know to believe. Those sins of omission always lead to sins of commission because those things that the Lord tells us to do will make you strong. And if you're strong, you're way less prone to faint in the day of adversity. You're way less prone to mess up when temptation comes. When temptation comes, a lot of people just aren't ready for it. They've not been living a spirit-filled life and now they fall for a sin of commission because they've operated in a sin of omission of not being ready when that challenge came. Do you see that, church? you got to watch out about not doing the good things the Lord tells you to do. Because if we don't do the good things He tells us to do, we will not be ready for attacks. We won't be ready for temptation. So many people are all caught up in getting the bad out of their life at the expense of getting more of God in their life. And if you're more filled with the Spirit, you'd be like God when that temptation comes against you. How do you think Jesus... Well, we know. How was Jesus when temptation came against Him? 100% successful. And the devil threw his best at the Lord. The devil got to the point where he tried two temptations. They didn't work. 
The Lord quoted scriptures and overcame. But the third temptation, the devil threw everything he had at Jesus. He said, Jesus, I'll tell you what. I will give you everything that Adam delivered unto me. All the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. I'm going to give it all to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. I know you want it, Lord. That's why, you, I know, that's why you came, Jesus, to get all this stuff. I'll tell you what, take a shortcut. I'll give it to you right now. Just bow down and worship me. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to you know, die. Just bow right now and I'll give you what you came for. Now somebody says, well, the devil didn't have that to give. If he didn't have that to give, it wasn't a bona fide temptation. It wasn't a genuine temptation. The devil had it to give because Adam gave it to him. Adam was supposed to be the God of this world, but then the devil became the God of this world. And he came to Jesus with all this that Adam delivered unto him and said, if you bow down and worship me, everything I have will be yours. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Took him on a high mountain. All the glory of the kingdoms of the world. That's the best the devil had. I mean, when you offer everything you have, what else you got? No wonder the devil left him after that for a season. And angels came and ministered to the Lord. Well, you think about that. Well, if we're filled with the Spirit, why can't we be that successful? Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight, church, that you really need to just believe God to get this on the inside of your heart. The devil is doing everything he can to keep believers uninterested in being filled with the Spirit. Because he knows when you're filled with the Spirit, you are Jesus going somewhere to minister. You are God in the earth realm going somewhere to set people free. I mean, I just filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, he's God. He's part of the Godhead. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of God in the earth realm right now. Jesus is geographically right on a throne next to the Father geographically in heaven. But the Holy Spirit's here. And the Bible says we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. What does that mean? That means we are like God in the earth realm doing his will and having the same results of Jesus had that Jesus had. Now, do you know why there's opposition to this? Huh? The devil has a lot of people satisfied without being filled with the Spirit. Oh, they're on their way to heaven if they're born again. You know, Jesus is their Lord. But the devil has a lot of people satisfied without living a Spirit-filled life. And that's warfare. I know it's weird to think satisfaction is warfare, but in that sense, it's big-time warfare. Just like if somebody was satisfied without believing in Jesus, well, what's that called? That's called going to hell when you die. If you never accept the Lord. If you're not interested and you're satisfied already, why do you want Jesus? See how satisfaction can destroy you? We should not be satisfied without something Jesus wants us to be filled with. All right, so let me say this again. Jesus never intended that the church just be saved. If, do you realize God gave us two persons? Jesus, praise God, without him we are all goners forever. By his blood we have been redeemed. But he also gave us another person, the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Well, not as an option. He knew we would need the Holy Spirit in full between now and heaven if we're going to do anything for him on the earth and ourselves live above the attacks of the enemy. So, so it's always been the plan of God from the beginning of the church till now that not only are we saved and clean, but that we live a spirit-filled life. And we want to talk about how you can live a spirit-filled life some tonight. We've talked a lot about the benefits of it. Let's talk about how to do it. How to live and maintain a Holy Spirit-filled 
life. So this scripture here, I wanted to show it to you again because that's what our series is based on. And that is that we need to be very interested in doing what the Lord tells us to do. Not just not doing what He tells us not to do. We need to be very interested in doing the good things He tells us to do. We, we, we seem to be so quick to not do the bad stuff. Oh, I'm not going to kill. No, I'm not going to kill. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to do, do those bad things. Great, wonderful. But what about not doing the good things He tells us to do? Is that just as serious? I submit unto you it's more serious. It's more serious. Did you know that people who've abused other people, people who've committed adultery, people who've committed murder, do you realize that those people can still go to heaven that have committed such acts? Did you know that? They can repent. You know the sin that keeps people out of heaven? It's a sin of not doing something. Not a sin of doing something. The sin that keeps people out of heaven is not believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If people don't believe in Jesus, that is a sin of omission. They're not doing something the Lord told them to do if, in fact, they want to be saved. It's interesting, you know, when Jesus talked about... Um, um, well, I won't go there right now. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Do you have that little graphic, Tina, of God wants you filled for the Wednesday night? There it is. So that's the picture I want you to see up there. God wants you filled. He, he, he wants your cup overflowing so other people right, can get blessed and ministered to by the Lord on the inside of you. So God, say, God wants you filled. How about we personalize it? God wants me filled. Now, if I can show you this from the scriptures, and if you believe it, then this should change your life. This is not a side issue with the Lord. This is not optional. This is something He really, really wants for everybody. And I'll tell you right now, whatever Father God wants for you, it's the best thing you could ever be involved with. <clears throat> All right, so Ephesians chapter 5. The Lord really, really laid this on my heart, especially after I read you the, the vision that Brother Hagen had of Jesus in 1987. When the Lord told uh, the prophet of God that the number one emphasis of this three-hour visitation is that under the new covenant, it's my will that every believer be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I read that, I thought, well, I know, I know, I'm being filled with the Spirit. That's cool. And the Lord said, there's a lot about being filled with the Spirit, son, you don't know. How many know there's an initial filling of the Holy Spirit, an experience that you have, where you initially receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That is not living a Spirit-filled life. That is the beginning of living a Spirit-filled life. One translation talks about maintain the glow. What does that mean? That means there's some maintenance in our life. If we want to live a spirit-filled life, we're going to have to maintain certain attitudes, certain associations. We're going to have to maintain certain lifestyles if we want to stay filled with the Spirit as opposed to, oh man, wow, 11 years ago they laid hands on me and I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Awesome! But that's not living a spirit-filled life. That's having an experience 11 years ago. You use up spiritual energy just like you use up physical energy. Do you understand that? 
you and I need to be charged up like a battery regularly. That's where praying in tongues comes in. He that speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. What, what good is that? Ha! Huh, what do you mean what good is that? If more people were built up, they wouldn't be in prison today. They would have been stronger. They could have resisted the devil. They could have resisted temptation. If they were more built up, they wouldn't be dead today, right. physically. If they're more built up, they wouldn't have fallen into certain things that they've fallen into and breaking up relationships and moving out in the wrong areas. If people were more filled when the challenges of life come, they'd win. All right, before we go to that scripture that I just mentioned, which one did I mention? Ephesians 5. Go there first. Go ahead and go there. Ephesians 5, look at verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, Don't be unwise, child of God, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And let me make this real simple to you. This is the will of God, right here. New Testament. Testament means will. This is the revealed, written will of God. Right here. Old will, new will. This is the will of God. Old Testament, New Testament. You got that? So when it talks about understanding what the will of the Lord is, first place we should go is the revealed will of God right here. What's the will of God concerning uh, relationships? Well, what does the Bible say? What's the will of God concerning healing? What does the Word say? What's the will of God concerning prosperity? What's the will of God concerning deliverance? What's the Word of God Concerning prayer. What will of God. Well, you go to the Word, you find out His will. Amen. And so he said, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, next verse, he tells us one of the things that's the will of God for our life. And if you weren't here on Sunday, wow. We talked about the amazing, powerful, life-saving benefits of living in the will of God. The devil will constantly try to tell you that the will of God is something you really won't like. He even knows that's not true. <laughs> he knows he's been around longer than you. He, he has seen people in the will of God and he has seen people out of the will of God. And he knows firsthand that if you start living in the will of God for your life, which is totally comprehensible, totally understandable, or why say understand what it is, it's not burdensome, the Bible says. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If people knew what the will of God was, they would want it in a second. Everything everybody's looking for on this planet, you know, all things being equal, that's godly and right and full of life, is found in being in the will of God. And don't think you can't know the will of God. The devil's a liar. He's going to tell you, well, if you really go to church like you're supposed to, and you really pray like you're supposed to, and you really read your Bible like you're supposed to, and you really become a giver like you're supposed to, you're not going to like it. Well, since he's a liar and can't tell the truth, then the opposite's true. You're really going to like it. You're going to be glad you started. You're going to be glad that you wished you would have started earlier. So what's the will of God? Somebody tell me. One of the things is right here. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't get your stimulus from the world, which is excess. But here's the will of God. You ready? Be filled with the Spirit. Capital S, talking about the Holy Spirit. Question, and I've asked this in previous sessions. Who's he writing to? Born again believers who had an experience one time of being filled with the Spirit. For time's sake, I won't go there, but in Acts chapter 19... Paul came to Ephesus. 
a long time before he wrote this letter. Paul came to Ephesus. This is Ephesians chapter 5. And he said he found certain disciples. And he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they hadn't. But then Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They heard, for they heard them speak with tongues and prophesy. So can you be born again and not filled with the Spirit? Yes, and you have to see the difference because the devil's got a lot of people thinking, well, I'm born again. I have all the Holy Spirit there is. Well, if that's the case, what do you do with all these other scriptures where Paul's writing to church people who are born again and said, hey, you don't have this. Why would he say be filled with the Spirit if they were filled with the Spirit? I know that sounds elementary, but a lot of people don't know this, and you need to take this out and help other people because you know people I don't know. He's writing to born-again Christians who, in Acts chapter 19, got initially filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to them again years later saying, Hey guys that are born again. Hey you heaven-bound believers. Hey you guys who spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 19. Uh, I have a word for you. Be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. What's he saying? Well, good question. Because if he's telling us to be filled with the Spirit, we should really be interested in what that means. It's the will of God that we're living a spirit-filled life. And I'm going to say it again. Many believers are in trouble today. Many believers are not overcoming. Many believers are succumbing to alternative lifestyles, thinking they have no power to overcome it. And the sad thing about it is, if they were living a spirit-filled life, they wouldn't even want that alternative lifestyle, let alone not have power to overcome it. Am I talking too fast? No. <laughs> I want people ready Evil day comes to everybody. And that's not really that big a deal. We're talking about a defeated foe trying to lie to you. The big deal is people not being ready. If people would live a spirit-filled life, they'd be ready for all these challenges that many are succumbing to, saying, well, it's just, you know, so you win some, you lose some. I don't believe that. What happened to now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph? All right, so now do this with me. Go with me. Where were we going to go? Turn to Luke 4. So let me tell you a problem in the church that's keeping a lot of people from being filled with the Spirit. Are you ready? Lack of hunger. Getting filled up on other things. How many know in the natural, you can get so full of junk food, you don't want some good food? Right? right. Like, a, like, a, like a nice salmon uh, and, and vegetables and, or whatever your favorite meal is. You can get so full of junk food, you have no desire for the good healthy food. Right? So, so the, the, the object of the person trying to help you can't be, come on, eat this healthy food. If you're gorged, you're gorged. Right? So sometimes what we as teachers got to do is we got to show people how to get hungry for the right thing. Which might entail some fasting of the wrong things. Right? Instead of turning to the world for satisfaction, how about turning to prayer? Instead of always turning to Hollywood for satisfaction, how about turning to a brother or sister who wants to just talk the Word of God with them? Or, Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, let me, I'm going to show you a couple more scriptures before we close here, but go to Luke chapter 4. I want you to see here that Jesus 
overcame the devil and all the devil's temptations by what we're talking about tonight. So is there anybody in here that would like to know how to overcome temptation 100% from now on to your departure of this life? How many of you like to just live in 100% victory anytime the devil attacks you anymore? Whether it's temptation to sin or even things in the sickness realm or whatever. How many want to overcome temptation? You, do you really want to overcome it? You really should because there's many promises to the overcomers that are absolutely amazing. I mean, come on. Jesus says, go sit with me in my throne like I sit with my Father in His throne if you overcome. I'm going to give you a stone and a name on it. Nobody knows except me and you with our little secret. I'm going to make you a t pillar in the temple of my God. Yeah. Right? Your name's not going to be blotted out of the book of life. I'm going to give you power over the nations. All for overcomers. So in Luke 4, I didn't see this for a long time. And I know we're going over some things, but we need to. In Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus is about ready to be driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. We just talked about those scriptures. So notice this first verse. And Jesus returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Are you really going to let me get away with that? <laughs> I, missed the, I missed a very, very important part. And Jesus, what? Oh, I wonder if that has anything to do with his 100% success in overcoming all the temptations of the devil. Hmm. Or is that just a cool little saying? Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Now, if he needed to be full of the Holy Ghost to overcome temptation, <laughs> we're probably going to need to be full of the Holy Ghost to overcome all temptation too. Right? I mean, what does that mean, full of the Holy Ghost? That means his, his human being is, is so filled with God that there's no more room for him. Well, let me ask you a question. How hard is it for God to resist the devil? How hard is it for God to say no to temptation? If you're filled with God, how hard is it for you to say no to temptation? Come on, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, how hard is it for you to overcome attacks of the devil? Jesus overcame every attack. The only reason he was crucified is because he allowed the enemy to do that so we wouldn't have to go through what Jesus went through. Remember when Pontius Pilate, you know, he's, he's before, Jesus is before Pilate because they're wanting to, Jews are wanting to crucify him and, and they're saying crucify him. We have no king but Caesar and all this pressure is coming on Pilate. And Pilate's wife wakes up from this terrible nightmare in the middle of the day, comes running to the parliament up there and says, honey, talking to Pilate, honey, honey, have nothing to do with this just man. I've suffered many things of him in a dream today. And Pilate's like, Jesus, it's like, I don't see any fault in you. So he tries to say, I don't see any fault in this guy. You take him to Herod or something. I'm not going to do anything to him. He hasn't done anything wrong. And so him and Pilate and Jesus had this conversation. <laughs> and basically it goes like this. Pilate goes, don't you know, Jesus, that I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus said, you don't have any power, buddy. The only power you have is what's given to you from above. You're a puppet in this play, basically. He says, you... You shouldn't really be on this side, but you are. It's the way it is. You know, you, your life led up to this. The Lord said, you don't have any power. And the Lord already previously said, no one, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down or take it up in my own accord. 
the devil didn't just come in and muscle his way in and do something to overcome Jesus. Jesus let happen to him what he did let happen. The devil thought he won kind of a victory, and really it was just the Lord saying, no, I'm dying for the sins of the world. I mean, he, they could not have killed him. <laughs> he would not have just let them do it. He laid his life down. I know it says they killed the Prince of Life, but that's only in the sense of him allowing them to do it. Well, he never lost. Jesus is a 100% winner. And he didn't do it as God. He did it as a man filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, if Jesus was operating as God, now he was God, but if he was operating as God in the earth realm, why would God need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Does God need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? No! God is God! Right? But Jesus was operating as a man to show us how to do it. So if you, if you want to overcome in the wilderness, if you want to overcome temptations and all the devil's attacks, what's the first thing that you should be interested in? Ira, being filled with the Holy Ghost. Overcame, right? Jim, filled with the Holy Ghost, overcame. Does this not make what it means to be filled with the Spirit very interesting to us? And something, something that we really want to know? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I'm, I've got to say a couple things before we close, so let me, let me just say this. Being filled with the Spirit has a lot to do with what you're giving your attention to every day. Who you choose to hang out with, environment you choose to have around you, teachings you choose to listen to, now, how do you get filled with fear? Usually through the eye gate or the ear gate. Now, just think, if you couldn't hear or see, it'd be pretty hard to be afraid of something. You couldn't hear a loud bang, right? You couldn't see something terrible coming after you. If you couldn't see or hear, so how does fear get it? The Bible talks about people who are filled with fear. How do you get filled with fear? Well, the same principles as how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Who are you hanging around? What are you watching? It, 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 it intrigues me at times that people, they want deliverance from certain mental issues and certain fears and anxieties in their life, but you look at what they've been watching and reading. What? You're watching what kind of horror movies? What kind of books are you reading? What, chopping people up. What are, you, what are you looking at? What are you But I need deliverance. I just have these thoughts that come to me. All right, all right. we'll pray for your deliverance, but... Not unless you promise you're not going to feed your spirit and your mind with that junk anymore. I mean, some things happen because of sowing and reaping. And the answer is quit sowing junk in your life if you don't want to reap that junk anymore. One of the first things the Lord dealt with me about when I got saved was he said, son, if you want to stay free, then you need to go beyond just somebody praying for you. You better change your lifestyle. Quit watching this. Quit listening to that. I mean, I took so many. Back then it was records and cassette tapes. I took all these high dollar, you know, rare albums and stuff. I broke them. I got rid of them. I realized I can't keep, I can't live in perfect peace while I'm feeding my mind with everything but peace. You say, well, pastor, why didn't you sell those priceless records because I didn't want that junk in somebody else's mind and God can do better than that. He can get me money some other way. But I mean the Lord. Did you ever read in the book of Acts? When revival was on? 
It said so mightily grew the word of God and it prevailed. It said all these people started getting saved. And they publicly came and brought all their curious arts, their magical books, brought their divination stuff, and they brought them all together in the middle of the city, confessing their sins publicly. And they had a bonfire. And all that was burned up was 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And just poof, up in smoke. But they were all on fire for God. That's signs of revival. Yeah. You start burning stuff and records and breaking stuff and getting rid of stuff. I tell you right now, there's some, there's some believers, they've got stuff in their house. They should get out of their house as quickly as possible. Yep. Stuff that has stuff attached to it that shouldn't even be in the atmosphere. How many of you know with your children, too, you want to make sure that any, don't let stuff in the house through the TV or, or whatever that could affect your children. Right. Parents are responsible to see that the atmosphere and environment in the home is right. Yep. Don't you feel bad about monitoring what your kids are watching? Do it. If they throw a fit, spank them. <laughs> oh, pastor, I'm going to tell social services you said that. Fine, I'll just point to the Bible. He that spares the rod hates his child. You, need to, you, don't, you don't ever discipline your children. I would say, you know, the world says, spare the rod, spoil the child. No, it says spare the rod, hate the child. Just spank him in love. Right? Discipline them for their profit, not just because they tick you off. Grow up and do it right. Amen? And you'll find out later that they'll be very thankful because I didn't get many spankings. I didn't get any spankings when I grew up. You know who spanked me? Detective Rushing, when he came into Funland and handcuffed me and said, we're going to jail. That's who spanked me. I would much rather had mommy or daddy spank me. I'm just playing foosball, having a good time. My black leather jacket, you know. And all of a sudden, these two guys come in, sunglasses and coats, here in town. And say, you John Capetto? I said, uh-huh. I'm like 17 years old, you know. He said, well, just come out to the car with us. I went out to the car. They said, put your hands behind your back. They put handcuffs on me and took me to jail for grand theft. And I thought, man, I wish mom and dad would have spanked me at home. <laughs> It'd be a lot better than going to jail. <laughs> it was a drag. <laughs> Terrible. Got one little cell and a toilet in front of everybody. <laughs> at least back then it was. I would have much rather had spanking at home. I don't know how we got off on that, but that was really good. <laughs> how about we tie it in? You ready? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not dumb like I was, okay? <laughs> Um, so read on here. Go back to the scripture, please, Tina. And let's close up with this. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost, right? See that there? And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Next verse. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Let's go ahead and read the rest of it. And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. And Jesus answered, saying, It is written, Now, 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 now got to read this in context. Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, answered and said. It's one thing just to answer and say out of your brain, you know, because you, you heard somebody else do it. It's another thing to be filled with the Holy Ghost and say, it is written. Right. See, we've emphasized the it is written part, but we can't forget the whole verse started out with he was filled with the Holy Amen. Ghost. That's right. He was influenced by God. He, heaven was around him. Well, you know, you can read this later. He resisted the devil three times. He overcame. You want to read the rest? Let's read the rest. So he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Next verse. And the devil, 
taking Jesus up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give you in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And Adam delivered it unto him when he committed high treason. And to whomsoever will, the devil said, I'll give it. If you, Jesus, will therefore worship me, all shall be yours. And don't think the devil won't come to you with things like this in your life. Trying to get you something that God said you can have, but get the, getting it the devil's way. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Next verse. And the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If you're the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you. Now the devil's quoting scripture. You better know more scripture than the devil. And in their hands they shall bear you up. He's quoting Psalm 91, the devil is. Lest, at any time, lest you dash your foot against the stone. What did Jesus say? Jesus answering and said unto him, It is written, or it is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended all his temptation, he departed from him for a season. Don't forget the the first part, that Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. So let me say some things in closing because we have to close here. In Luke 6.25, Jesus said, Woe to you that are full. And now he's saying, Woe to you that are full with other things that don't want to be filled with the Spirit. No hunger at all. Woe to you that are full with other things and now you don't want to be filled with the Spirit. So let me say this. This series is God wants you full. But I need to say something to you. The devil wants you full of other stuff. So you're not hungry for the right stuff. He wants you full of the world. He wants you full. Nothing, there's good things in this world. Don't get me wrong. We're not a crazy church that doesn't believe in makeup and music. And Okay, we, we, we do. Okay, but you can go too far and be too filled with some things in the world. And so let me, let me say this to you. The devil fears us living a Holy Spirit filled life because he knows what that will do. The more filled we are, the more influence of God Himself in the earth realm when it comes to praying for others, giving good words, helping people, ministering, supporting good works. The more filled we are with the Spirit, the more the devil gets, he hates it. Well, nothing he can do about it. We can do whatever we want to do. He's not our Lord. So let me tell you a couple things that you can be filled with, and people in the Bible were filled with these things. While I'm reading this list, think about how people get filled with these things, and then apply those principles to how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Was that too much for you? Okay. Think about how people get filled with these things, or even you at times, maybe in your life, and then apply the same principles to how to live a spirit-filled life. The Bible says, and I'm going to read all the, uh, all the references, but in Luke 4, it says there was a bunch of people filled with wrath. How do you think they got filled with wrath? They were giving attention to some things that was really ticking them off. Right? In Luke 5, it says they were filled with fear. How do you get filled with fear? You attend to certain things. You listen and watch certain things long enough to where something starts to fill you up on the inside that you don't want. Right. And what's the key? Quit looking at and listening to things that are producing what you don't want. Right. That's worth your time right there. Just that right there. Luke 6, it says they were filled with madness. How do you think they got mad? Just like madness. Just rah! How do you think they got filled with madness? Well, by thinking and pondering stuff, they shouldn't have been thinking about and pondering. Do you know, you could think about 
people that have hurt you long enough to where you want to do hurt, harm to them? What's that called? That's called letting the devil fill you up with stuff so you'll do something he wants you to do under his influence. John 16, it says, Sorrow has filled your heart. Acts 2, this is a good one, says they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Acts 5, it says, Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Acts 5, it talks about filled with indignation. Acts 13, it talks about filled with envy. And envy is one of the worst things you could ever be filled with. Oh, where there's envying and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. Not just 50% of evil work, every evil work. It says that they, the religious people, crucified Jesus because they were envious of him. Filled with envy. Then the Bible talks about people that were filled with joy. The Bible says in Romans 1, there was a bunch of people filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, full of murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. Ephesians 3.19 talks about being filled with all the fullness of God. I see healing all over that verse. Sheesh. If we could be filled with God, and we choose not to be, there's something wrong. All right, it says here they were filled with extortion and excess, in Matthew 23, they were filled with hypocrisy and iniquity. In Luke 11, they were filled full of revening and wickedness. Um, some good ones, it says in verse Acts 6, that he, Stephen was filled with faith and power. Acts 13, there was a guy full of all subtlety and mischief. Uh, people who's full of cursing and bitterness, full of heaviness, because they'd heard certain things, it says. The Bible talks about having eyes full of adultery cannot cease from sin, and the list goes on. But we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. How do you get filled with all those other things? Listening to wrong stuff? Entertaining wrong thoughts? Devil's trying to get us filled with all this junk? God wants us filled with the Holy Spirit. I say this in closing tonight. Just all, do anything you got to do to your lifestyle to adjust to where you're always hanging around the things of God somehow. And I believe the Lord wanted me to say this to you on the way here tonight. I don't have my phone, but I, I'd written it down. I forgot to, to bring it in here. But, um, oh, I wish I had it. Can you go get my phone real quick? I just want to read this before we close. It's just two little sentences. But I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to expre express it as much as I can right now. Um, oh, Lord, how did that go? I'm going to have to wait. Huh? And we do have communion. Thank you for reminding me. So we're going to get ready to receive communion. Then we'll be dismissed. So, Come on, Joe. <laughs> I was actually driving down the road, and I said, Siri, take a note. And she goes, what do you want? And I said, I told her. And she said, okay. She repeated it to me. Can you believe that? If I told you that 10 years ago, you think I was a freak. Probably say, who's Siri? So let me just read this to you in closing. <laughs> Siri, what did you do? Where does it go when you tell Siri that? 
Yeah, I know. I'm in notes. Okay. Okay, so, so when we're talking about putting God first, right? Like what we're talking about, right? Being filled with the Spirit. When we're talking about putting God first, it's not about never doing anything fun. It's about wherever you go, just be filled with the Spirit. We're going to Disneyland a little bit, a month or two. And we can go there filled with the Spirit. Well, I'm I'm Spirit-filled. I'd never go to a place like that. That's not what he's talking about. Fun is is biblical. Just wherever you go, be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that a good word? Because some people think being filled with the Spirit is this weird, boring, terrible thing. I put this in. You might... You might not need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you want to do, but you will need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God wants you to do. So when you get out of the what I want zone, you start realizing there's some things I should be interested in that maybe I haven't been interested in. So, all right, let's stand up, church.